How are you all doing today? I'm leaving that in. This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host, Mike Boyd. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, dude? Awesome. Can't be more happier. It is April 5th, Sunday. This show will be out tomorrow morning. And we have a special guest today. We have Sean Killian from the Bay Area thrash band Violence live in studio today. Sick. So how are you dealing with this COVID-19, Mike Boyd? Um, I stand by what I said in the, one of the last episodes where I think this is really fucking stupid and annoying. Like the whole entire scenario. Like we went to the store yesterday or we tried to go to the store yesterday and that was an epic fail because they're only letting like so many people in stores now. So there's a line around every fucking building in Lodi. I don't know if how that is in Sacramento, but in Lodi, there's a line around every major grocery store or Walmart or Target or anything to go get normal shit. I, I, I stumbled upon a gold mine once of 12 rolls of toilet paper like about a week and a half ago. I haven't been able to win that lottery again. And I've spent a lot of quality time with my wife at home because she's now working at home. Safety first. Yep. I say. I think everybody should be safe. First and foremost, this virus is real. I think the, uh, you know, everybody should always be safe. Now, obviously, this is a little excessive. I'm not going to get into that, but it's a little ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, things are dumb. But, hey, get used to it. It's for the greater good, I guess. Anyways, anything going on personally? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of... I had a bad week. One of my cats died of... Yeah, cancer. It was one of those things where she got a tumor on her liver and nothing processed right. She It didn't process her proteins right. It didn't process a whole bunch of other things. It ate away her muscle. And it, I'm going to go into detail here because I have to get it out. It ate away at her muscle. She would retain fluid. And in that fluid was all the proteins and everything that she wasn't getting correctly. And we would have to take her to the vet every two to three weeks and actually have it drained with a syringe. What was her name? Her name was Mia. All right. This podcast goes out to Mia. Yeah. Very sorry. Kitty cat. So, yeah, I mean, if you like pets, you know what I'm talking about. I love pets. I got two cats and a pit bull who's afraid of those two cats, but hey, it's all good. Appreciate that. That sucks. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, man. You will heal. We will move on. Life moves on. Okay, so um, our guest, special guest today, we have Sean Killing from Violence. Violence is a legendary Bay Area thrash band that came out towards the end of the 80s. I've been to many shows of theirs. They were amazing. Big influence on my personal band, uh, Psychosomatic. We were fortunate enough to be able to cover one of their songs, which will be on our upcoming album. Yes, this is a sh- selfless, shameless plug, but I don't give a fuck because we're covering violence. I'm stoked. So in studio, we have today Sean Killian from Violence. How's it going, Sean? Doing good. Good awesome. beer, Jeff. Fuck yeah. Great to have you in-house. Yeah. This is pretty cool. We're going to probably run down your whole discography and career sure it's okay with you sounds good and uh so your you guys, show you guys yeah for sure <laughs> and you're the guest you have a an old school demo the violence demo is that when you joined 
Uh, I joined uh, probably about maybe six months before that, seven months before that. And then we uh, corralled our money together and went to Prairie Sun out there in Katati. Oh, okay. uh, I sold my, hat, my Marshall half stack to get money. And yeah, so uh, we scrounged up the money and, and, and did that demo uh, about six months, seven months after I joined the band. Cool. And you guys had that everywhere, right? Like you were at your shows, you were selling it. And we, stuff. Uh, it, dude, we were fucking re-recording it. You know, you got the cassette, the boom box with two cassettes, and you can, that's how we were doing it. And then printing off covers at, you know, anywhere we could find a printer. And, and then cutting them out and putting them in and just giving them out, you dude, know, as much sick. as we could. I think we might have sold some at some shows for five bucks, like if we were playing, but mostly we were out just hand, handing them out to people. Sick. And that obviously started a buzz for you guys. It did. It 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 started a buzz that, um, you know, we started getting people to show up to our, to, to see us, and we weren't headlining or anything. But uh, when we played, people were there to see us, and so then the Nadies who own the Stone and the Omni, you know, they kind of recognize that. You know, their manager management of the Stone, Dave, and the the people over Jimmy at the uh, Omni, they uh, they kind of recognize that. So then uh, when booking agents had bands on tour and they would go through and they'd stop at the stone uh they always put us on as the opener so we got to play with like creator and destruction and gbh and you know all kinds of bands that were touring and that was like because of our demo awesome did you guys get uh is that that's when you got label interest from people or did you get a manager first uh we so we had those four songs and we were writing more songs and then we hooked up with debbie um Debbie Bono, and then uh, she was managing Forbidden. Um, she was managing Possessed before Jeff's accident, and then um, I, she might have been managing a couple other bands. I'm not sure, but and then she, you know, with her name recognition, she was able to draw people to come see us. And then they labels came to see us at, at the Stone or whatever, and they got that vibe. And you know, they were it was kind of that second wave of thrash, you know, right. where. The first wave, they were just hung. Labels were like, we need thrash, we need thrash, we need thrash. And then the second wave, it's like then you start getting compared to the first wave, right. where the first wave had, you, there was no one to compare, right? You know, kill them all or show no mercy or you know anything totally. like that too. So, but she got the labels there, and we had a few offers, you know. Awesome. So when you guys inked the deal with uh, Mechanic, how long like how long was was it? Till you got the album out when you started recording. So we we were negotiating with them, Combat. I'm not sure if there was a third player in that, but um, once we signed with them, I think they might we might have been in the studio about maybe six months later on Melrose in L.A. Okay, who recorded it? It was with John Cunaberti. He did Joe Satriani stuff, and he hadn't done metal before, but. Um, Debbie knew him and got him hooked up with us, and uh, you know I thought he did a great job. For I mean that album's tone, the guitar tones and shit are killer. And uh, then we went back to San Francisco and uh, is it Omega maybe? And we recorded the all the leads and the vocals there and oh, mixed nice. it and everything. Sick, yeah. That's that album is that's thrash metal paradise right there. And uh, you know, looking back at all the song titles. Um, is I just got to ask you, is TDS, what's, what's that stand for? The drug song. 
I love that. That's so great. I mean, you know, that's us. (laughs) Totally. I mean, yeah, your history speaks for itself. Well, because Phil's like, what do you, what do we call it? Because we just named it the drug song because that's kind of what I was writing. I didn't really have a title, and I was like, well, fuck it, we'll just call it TDS. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Take it as you will. Yep. And uh, you know, obviously, your name is Violence. Like, what were the shows like back then? So. It was kind of trippy because, you know, the shows we did in April um, were pretty wild. You know, no barriers. Um, There was a lot of stage diving in April. So back in the day, there'd be some stage diving, but the pit was sick. I mean, you know, it was like brutal sick, not just a circle pit. You know, there's people going the opposite direction. There's people... It was a combat, you know, contact sport, basically. <laughs> I mean, so when you see the World in a World video and, you know, Chris is inside the pit with his helmet on, uh, the helmet camera, you can kind of get a sense of what it was like then. So I would say comparatively, back then, it was way more uh, violent in the pit. For sure. I remember seeing you guys back then, and I remember you said something, you're all, I want to see that fucking island get taken out. <laughs> <laughs> the middle of the pit just got destroyed. Yeah. And it was it was something to behold. I, I saw you guys. I, I went on a trip, and I saw you guys. At, it was on the Oppressing the Masses tour, and it was with Overkill and Excel in Tijuana. Oh, yeah, at Tijuana. Yes, I was at that show. Oh, you were awesome. I was at that, that was a show. fucking killer show. Yep, and I saw people jumping off with the— With the cyclone uh, fence and yep, all that? Yeah. Yep, off the balconies and everything. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was fucking something insane. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Head what a walking. great bill, too. Yes. You know? Was a, that was such a good show. I was there. I was 20 years old, so I could drink. I was uh-huh. like, fuck yeah, I'm in Mexico. I'm going to get fucking yeah. wasted. Did you walk over? No. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We walked over from San Diego. And uh, it was that was wild. I mean, Excel killed it, but you guys stole the show. I mean, Overkill is okay, but I'm, I'm a good fan, of, a big fan of Overkills. But you guys, I thought, just blew them off the stage the violence the crowd it was nuts we just had that we just produced that energy of yep you know i don't know it's like us combined with that insane music yes you know and back then you know had a lot more energy yeah. so it was uh and you know i like we we like contact right we don't like the barriers that are fucking tent for the crowd's tent. I mean, I enjoy playing festivals like the Alcatraz Festival was awesome. The barrier is about ten feet from the stage, um, and it it's a great show. I mean, dude, there's fucking seven thousand, eight thousand people watching us, and and I and totally enjoy it. But you know, for us, it's like it's we we need to be connected to our crowd, and that's you know. What can you tell me about the uh, 1989 Hayward Civic Center show, or should I say riot? Yeah, so uh, we actually booked that show and then added Death Angel to it, and uh, so it was a it was a big it was a big bill, you know, in 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 Hayward. I mean, uh, they, there was some shows there before, you know, some other thrash shows before we played with Death Angel there, and uh, they would cut the room in half, you know. But with the two of us, they had the room all wide open. And then um, I think it, somebody blew up some toilets with M100s or something. You know, it's a city building, so there's city staff there. And they called the cops and then kind of told them, hey, this is a, and it's like a pit and everything's going crazy. And, you know, it's <laughs> fucking, it's violence and death angel. And, and uh, I think those people were just kind of like, 
this is insane. This is like a, this is a riot and shit's getting blown up and blah blah blah. And then the cops just came in full full force. They were in like riot gear, weren't yeah, they? Oh yeah, they came prepared. Oh my god. Yeah, they knew what they were walking into. <laughs> wow. They probably had some cops there looking at the whole scene, going, "Okay, bring in the boys." You know. Wow. That's yeah, insane. this is gonna take a lot more than anything. And then you know, uh, I don't know. You you do something like that, and then. What do you expect? Well, fuck, people were throwing potted plants through the bank windows and and just destroying everything outside the venue, too, you know, so. I, I think it was, a, it was you know, thrash metal, even though it was the second wave, was still a relatively new thing, and people would react. I mean, accordingly, if you see a band called Violence and a band called Death Angel and Forbidden mm-hmm. or whatever, they're going to go fucking apeshit, which they used to. You guys... Did you guys used to have a lot of um, rivals rivalries with this band, or were you guys all? Oh just, yeah, you know, we were all rivals. Was it? Like oh yeah, us, of, Death Angel, Forbidden. Because I noticed you guys each each show would have like a different crew of people. I mean, a lot of people would like all of them, but there was significant types of crews that would go with these shows. Yeah, well, like uh, Alexis Olsen, he he um, or Alexis Olson, excuse me, he uh, managed us for a little while, and I remember we played the Stone, and he was just like. Man, I swear I hate your fucking fans. Because <laughs> <laughs> all they're so obnoxious and so rude and so out of control. Yes. Yeah. I was that's, like, that's what I, that's what we love about them. <laughs> that's exactly why anybody would go to a violent yeah, but, show. But it was competitive, you know. We were yeah. all vying to be the best and the baddest, and you know, for us, we were always wanting to be the hardest, heaviest, and most thrash, the most everything it had to be at the maximum extreme for us and so then we would look at other bands you know because we we didn't you know i didn't sing right and forbidden russ can sing and you know mark can sing for death angel and i'm just like hardcore because i grew up on more punk and stuff like that you know fuck yeah and um so you guys how did you guys tour for eternal nightmare did you guys do any yeah we toured with testament and then we went out with voivod after that awesome we got to we played in Montreal, Voivod, and uh, Cro-Mags was on that bill, too. Sick. Yeah, that was a killer bill. Was that Age of Coral? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember. So it was about 80, what was that, 2000? Yeah, that might have been best Oh, no, no, 88. So okay. 88, Eternal Nightmare came out, and we went right out with Testament. That's sick. And then came home. We were home for about a month, and then we went out with Voivod. So it was supposed to be testament voivod and violence and voivod i think piggy was dealing with his throat cancer at the time so they couldn't make it and then it just got split into two and we went out on the second one with voivod nice and um so afterwards you guys were pretty much done with mechanic and you yeah you know he rewrote my lyric you know we submitted the lyrics and then he called steve sinclair called me i was at home Hey, you know, uh, I, I we got your lyrics, and I went through them, and they're good lyrics. But you know, we want you to be a little more grammatically correct. <laughs> and so he, he and and so he's all, you know. So I kind of took the liberty to, I rewrote some of the lyrics on about four or five songs, and I was wondering if you if we can go through it. And, and I'm like, you yeah. know, I'm like, yeah, I'd love to hear that, <laughs> right? Right. And so he went through it all, and it was just kind of a weird experience. For sure. I mean, he owned the label, so it's just like. Okay, whatever. Let's hear it. And then, as soon as we hung up, I called Debbie and was just like, "You're not gonna believe what just happened." <laughs> right. Because he and she was pissed, right? Because he did it without her knowledge. You know, he's not supposed to be contacting us like that. I don't know if anybody ever asked me to change my lyrics. I'd be like, "Hit the road, buddy." Yeah, and, uh, and that's why we left Mechanics okay. because we weren't gonna work with them. 
right. we couldn't do that, you know. And so then we wound up on Megaforce, you know, yeah, for oppressing the masses. Johnny Z's label. Which sucked because it stopped us, you know. We were... We had a pressing, it was in the can, they had the lyrics, we were ready to go into the studio, and then all that shit happened. But, I mean, uh, Megaforce did pick it up. They picked it up, but then we, uh, Debbie was having some issues, you know, with her health and stuff like that, and she, it was hard for her to kind of, you know, be there for us, and so um, we decided that, you know, we were going to go in a different direction, which we shouldn't have, because that totally fucked us up, because she's the one that got us on Megaforce, right. and her and Maria were best buds, and so that kind of killed our momentum, but if Steve Sinclair wasn't such a dick, and we were able to do Oppressing the Masses, it would have been Eternal Nightmare, and then 18 months later, Oppressing the Masses, instead of fucking two years, you know? When did you guys sign on Megaforce? That would have been probably 89, late 89. And I got to ask this. What was it like working with uh, Alex Perialis? Oh, it was awesome. That is amazing. You know, and then uh, his engineer was the drummer from Raven. Oh, wow. Um, the guy that wore the hockey mask. Wacko. Wacko. Rob, Rob there Wacko it is. Hunter, yeah. yeah, Rob was his engineer. So that it was is. Alex and Rob. And we were in Ithaca, New York, small town. Uh, uh, Cornell is there, Cornell University. Oh, wow. And um, so it's a college town. Right. And uh, it was fucking in the middle of winter, snowing. They have a waterfall that runs through town, and it was all frozen. So we were really, the studio's kind of where we lived. We were in there for 12, 14 hours a day, you know. Brutal. Yeah, that album was something to behold. I that's that was something i mean as far as a follow-up mm -hmm. that was even heavier well and alex got the best out of us you know and yeah. that's kind of like it he's a producer right he's he gets the great sounds he does all the things like technically but then he's also helps to drive us and get us focused and keep you going in the right direction which is what a good producer should do you know absolutely he's got not like change the music or but I'm open. To, I'm always open to suggestions. You know, by that time you've been rehearsing it for months, and you've got the whole thing down. And so you go in the studio, and sometimes you need another ear to go. Hey, you know, maybe this one little tweak right here might do this or do that. And Alex was good at that. You know, and and he was good at getting them like pushing Perry and you know pissing him off and getting them <laughs> focused and getting those double kicks going. And you know, yeah. for me, I was. It, I think we recorded, it was about seven days, eight days of vocals, maybe eight more. Eight days of vocals? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of lyrics on that record. We do about a song a day, maybe a song and a half. Yeah, those lyrics are great. How do you uh, correlate oppressing the masses to what's going on right now with this uh, shutdown and everything? Uh, well, you know, I wrote the, the focus of oppressing the masses was during the Tiananmen Square thing. All okay. that was going on at the same oh, wow. time. okay. And so, you know, this is kind of... With this China, right? So it's just kind of, you know, history repeating itself. And this time it's just a different issue, but still, you know, people are, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you don't want to spread a disease, of course. I mean, that's the worst thing that could happen. But then again, uh, you don't want to, I, I personally, I'm not going to just sit in my house and do nothing. Right. I just, I just, I mean, you know, for everything I've been through, I, this is like, fuck off you know coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so uh you know and speaking we were just touching it on it earlier 
when you guys did the World in a World, World video, who was the guy with the, the head cam? That was Chris uh, Collins. That's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's, he's on Facebook and stuff still. I, I, I chat with him occasionally. Very cool. I remember when that video came out on MTV. I saw it on mm-hmm. MTV, and I was like, holy shit. Because well, he was always in the pit. He was like the most insane dude. He was always on top of the crowd. He's stage diving, and he was like the perfect height, right? Yeah. So if we put the helmet on him, that put the helmet in the pit as opposed to a taller guy above the pit, right? So, And then we knew he would be stage diving and doing everything. And what's funny is all... Uh, tape you know so high speed tape well the he would put the helmet on they'd start the camera and you had about it might have been maybe 90 seconds maybe two minutes of time with that tape rolling at high speed then he had to come back and they'd have to put a new roll in it that's why yeah. the clips are all short okay yeah makes sense yeah and so uh but yeah it, it they the 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 uh guy that did the video for us um the label sent him out and uh, man, he did a fucking great job, and they were really cool, and you know, took care of us, and they 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 got it right. They were doing their homework. They were listening to it, so they knew what they were walking into, and 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 uh, that wasn't all shot at the stone, right? Was no. That, where else was that shot at? There's a, there was a, a film studio in San Francisco, the small one that they do commercials, and I think they did porn there too. <laughs> but there was like a half of an airplane, you know like for airplane scenes and shit like that. And but, so what they did is they wet down the floor. That's why when you see it, it's all kind of shiny. And that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they wet down the floor, and then they had the light swinging. And uh, all that was the guy's idea. And, you know, it's, you know, a lot of that. So we filmed, I think we played World in the World three or four times at the Stone that night. And then we were at the stud- at that sound studio the next morning at, like, 9 a.m., Brutal. And uh, we did that. I think we were there for about ten hours. Are you ever? Do you ever have any plans to rock the turtleneck again? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Those are great days. Yeah, I mean, I look good in a turtleneck. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the only one I've ever seen on stage in the thrash metal band. It rules. That's your thing. <laughs> so, uh, I, I heard stories about this. I didn't know the story behind it, but Torture Tactics was not allowed on one of the records, right? Oppressing the masses. Yeah. They took it off. Yeah. For... About a month before the release. Oh, really? Maybe a little less than a month. That sucks. So they already had it pressed, and so they just, uh, you know, it was during that whole Tipper Gore thing. And, oh, man. And what's crazy is we were on Atlantic Records, and they had two live crew, and they were doing their booty song or whatever the fuck, it, that rap song. But, um, you know, they were all the people. You know, the PMRC was all over that, you know, oh, this is, this is you know, because it was like they were shaking ass on the video and all this shit. And they were on Atlantic. And Atlantic's all, oh, well, it's freedom of speech and da-da-da, and, you know, this is their art, blah, blah, blah. And in the meantime, they're removing torture tactics from our album at the same, at the same fucking time. Is there any way to get your hands on a press copy of that? No. But they just destroyed them? Yeah, they wouldn't let it out. Fuck. I mean, to them, 20,000 units is nothing, you know. Right. That's nothing. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but suck. You guys did release that. Yeah, which was insanely awesome. On another label. Which label was that on? I forget, but Mega Mega Force helped us do it. Okay, that's right. You know, they kind of assisted us in getting it out. You know, they weren't on. They they technically weren't the label, right. but they helped helped us get it, get it out. Because I just remember getting that and going, okay, finally. Because I'd heard about the lyrics, I heard about the song, and never got to hear it. Mm-hmm. I heard it live, but I didn't get yeah. to hear it. 
on the album. And once I got the EP, and then the the bonus tracks were hilarious. Mm-hmm. Dicks of Death, yeah. Gutter Slut. <laughs> we did that in the studio in Livermore. We're just fucking around. What about the Officer Nice? It says live, right? Or is it I Profit? No, we did that in the studio. Yeah, it's all live. We added added sound, crowd noise. (laughs) That's what I thought. And I'm all, yeah, we're in Japan. And I'm all, gumhei fa choi, which is Chinese. (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah, now I know the story behind that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, those were great days. So what did you think of when you first heard it and then read the lyrics? I was fucking bummed it wasn't on the regular record, but I was like, fuck yeah. I was just stoked to have it. It was produced by Alex, and we did it all at the same time. Yeah, it was sick. That should have been like the opening track of the album, mm-hmm. Pressing Masses. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the backing vocals, everything mm-hmm. about it is gnarly, the torture, all of it. I was like... The part that bugged him was, hey, fucker, do you hear her call you daddy? Right, okay. We got your daughter just down the hall. <laughs> you hear her call you? That was the point. That was That's the, the one where they're like, nope. That was the trigger. Right. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But and I think what happened is it, they had the shit for months. Right. And then all this crap went down, and then somebody saw it and read it and went, mm, we better tell the execs. And then the execs were like, you know, you know oh, hell no. <laughs> right. And I've been, listening to, I've been listening to Venom and everybody that's just gnarly forever, so I never really thought it was that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, from all the lyrics I've heard before, I was like, I've heard even gnarlier than this. Why I, this? I didn't think it was a big deal. But, nah. you know, whatever. But that was a different time. Mm-hmm. And now it's like that would be considered probably even radio play, considering some of the shit that's out now. Oh, it's, yeah. It's well, for me, too, it was more about, uh, and I wasn't really upset about it because uh, they did ask us to make adjustments, if we would make adjustments to the lyrics. I'm like, fuck no. And then uh, it was kind of like... Uh, I was just pissed at the the whole two live crew thing and the PMRC and the Tipper Gore, and then at the same time where these fuckers were going, oh yeah, well, look at us, we're standing behind these free speech and their creativity and they're and behind the screen, they're fucking us, you know. That's the part that pissed me off the most. And Megaforce never would say anything, but I know they weren't happy about it either because it wasn't their decision; it was Atlantic's. Right. And you know, then now the pricks won't sell us the rights to it. So why not? I don't know. They just Phil tried to get him to sell the rights back to us, and they won't do it. So it's like whatever. Because what if they did, we'd have it on Spotify and iTunes, and right. you know, it'd be exactly. Megaforce. That was the first thing I did was look up uh, violence on Spotify, and it was just it wasn't there. I was like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? Yeah. And uh, what do you remember about a show in 1990 that was at Watsonville that got shut down? Uh, dude, we didn't even play. Right. Do you remember what happened? I don't, because we were just there having beers and doing our thing and yeah we were supposed to open that show and oh. we, got, we got shut down too there was only like three bands that actually played yeah and from what i heard is that somebody got stabbed in the back with a screwdriver i could i think i heard that same thing yeah and then someone called the cops right. and then they came and shut the scene down <laughs> and i was like well you know we're playing with violence it's, like, it's kind of yeah of the that's right i remember that now <laughs> yeah that was no joke and then you guys came over to selena's we were jamming at our friend's studio. Oh, yeah. And you are hanging out. Oh, you were there? Yeah. Wow. That was us. I got us on video, too. It's like Okay, on cool. It was sick. I didn't get you walking around, but I remember you walk. You and Rob were the only ones that were, like, hanging out. And I was like, yeah. sick. I was like, that was rad. And uh, that was a great night. That was a wild night. And then um, I'm glad you remember that, even though it sucked. Because they shut down the well, show. Well, it sucked, too, because we didn't get paid. You didn't get paid? That no. sucks. You should at least got a guarantee. Yeah. I'll show you where the guy lives. <laughs> Anyways, so okay. After this, moving forward, we had uh, nothing to gain, mm-hmm. and that was a while later, right? That that came out. 
Yeah. So after repressing the masses, uh, you know, they were kind of like um, the whole grunge thing was coming out. And, you know, John, Johnny didn't particularly, he wasn't in tune with my vocals, you know. I just can't hear or understand the words, you know, and I need to understand the words, you know. And it's just like, okay, but, you know, I'm, we're not anthrax, you know. I'm not Joey Belladonna. It's like we're polar opposites. So if that's what's in your mind, then you're not going to get it out of us. He wanted us to, he wanted me to, because we, we sold our publishing, he wanted us to take that money and re-record all the vocals. And Alex was even telling him, look, it's not going to change, John. It's just going to be the same. And, you know, and he never came to the studio. It wasn't like he was there. Right. You know, he was in L.A., I think, with Anthrax at the time. And uh, so it was just kind of like, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? And I was on the phone with Johnny, and he was talking. And I was like, yeah, but, John, if I did him again, I don't think it would change anything. And you'd still be saying, well, I can't understand the words, and then we would have spent, you know, 40 grand, you know, for what? Right. And so that's when the kind of we had to downturn with the Megaforce Records. So then when the, when we were ready to, and, and we went into pre, pre-production for Nothing to Gain, and we did Atrocity and another song that didn't make it on the record, and um, I forget what other song, but um, it was like, okay, well, that's what we want to hear more like. That's what we want to hear more of. And the grunge thing was out. So then we were getting pressured to, like, you know, sing and not be so hardcore. And so, and and not just us, but, you know, a lot of bands, Exodus and these other guys, they felt feeling the same pressure from these labels. Right. And it's go, like, go with the trend. Yeah. They were, and it's just like, so then we did that. And that, there's good songs on there, but Michael Rosen didn't do a very good job. He was not a very good producer. He couldn't control us like Alex could. And we had a choice, but Johnny wanted us to use Michael Rosen. Um, we should have used Alex again, and, and probably would have sounded a lot better. But um, definitely, because he would have pushed, he would have got us more intense. Where Michael and Johnny, I know they were simpatico. There was obviously Johnny was probably telling him what he wanted to hear, and this is I want it to sound like this, and make sure it does. And we're we're you know. Alex would have been like, well, John, we're going to record an album and then you'll hear it, you know. For sure. So you guys pretty much were done after that album, right? Did you guys do any touring? So then we wrote, uh, Phil and I wrote uh, Again and Shooter and um, and uh, Breed Like Rats. Okay. And, and then another song that's on the Torque album. We demoed it. And then that's when, after that, I was just kind of like, you know, fuck this. I don't want to, I, I need to make money and... The way this whole industry's set up, it's not beneficial to musicians to make money, so I'm going to do something else. And so I started my career. Okay. Now I make a bunch of money, and I'm fine. <laughs> right. So obviously you were working for a while before you, uh, and then you, um, you had a medical situation, which was... Well, what's crazy is we got back together for the Thrash of the Titans for Chuck. Oh, that's right. That's right. And that was for you know? Chuck. Yeah. Right. And we actually played after Anthrax at that show because we it was highly anticipated us being back because it had been nine years. And how'd that go? Dude, it was killer. It was like, uh, I remember showing up and, well, I was on, I was at work and Phil called me and said, hey, you know, Walter Morgan's trying to put this benefit together for Chuck. He's got, you know, this cancer and it's a tumor and da, 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 and it's all these details and you know he wants to put this benefit to help him out with medical bills and you know what do you think i was like fuck yeah you know 
I wouldn't hesitate. It was like, yeah, let's do it, you know. And so uh, we got everybody back together and we rehearsed. We rehearsed a lot. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I think we were in the studio five days a week practicing. Fuck. And so then, uh, you know, we went up there. We had seven songs to play. And, uh, yeah, it was fucking killer. It was about 3,000 people at that Maritime Hall. Fuck, yeah. And then uh, after the show, uh, a couple, few days later, Phil and I talked about, hey, man, we should do another show. And, you know, let's book Slims and see what happens. So then we booked Slims, sold that out. Then we got a chance to go out with uh, Testament and Rob Halford after Chuck got better, you know. Because Chuck was on the mend, I think, because he, he was going through his chemo at the time of the Thrash of the Titans show. That, that's me. So then after, you know, uh, he went through all his chemo and got better and healthy and he was ready to go back out, then we went out with, uh, it was us and Testament. We did a few shows. Death Angel did a, couple, a show with us or two. And then we came back home and then... Uh, we were supposed to have Rob Halford on that, but he couldn't get it in the country because of visa issues. So then when he finally did, like a couple months later, three months later, then we went all back out again. We played the boardwalk. Fuck yeah. Well, not with Rob Halford. So we, we played the boardwalk with Testament. I don't know if Death Angel was on that or not. And then we met Rob at the House of Blues. We did a little House of Blues tour. Sick. Vegas and downtown Disney. And, and then we played some... A show in San Diego. And that, was that Rob Halford just Halford, or was that... It was Rob Halford doing Judas Priest songs. Okay. But yeah. that was when he was just Halford, right? Mm-hmm. That's sick. Because I, I remember he had this other band, too, that was after Judas Priest. Yeah, it was... Uh, what are the name? They were great, though. Uh, mm-hmm. They were, like, straight-up thrash metal. Yeah. Yeah, I forget the name. I can't even think right now. This sucks. <laughs> but, um... And then we did that little stint, and then we did the stint with Overkill and Excel. And we were writing, actually... We had about three songs written, and then Rob got a hold of Phil, and Phil joined Machine Head, and then I went back to my career. <laughs> and then, you know, then uh, it was, what was it? I might have been 51 when I got diagnosed with the cirrhosis. And I felt fine. And then, like, three months later, I started getting full-blown symptoms where, you know, my muscles were fucking atrophied and, and you know, because you you know, your liver, you know, process, your, your blood goes from your spleen through your liver and then to your heart valve, you know, through to your artery up to your heart after it's all cleansed. And uh, when my liver, when your liver's dead, you know, protein and sodium and shit like that can't get through. So your body starts converting your muscle tissue. It's looking for protein to convert to sugar oh okay. so it starts eating your mu- your body starts naturally eating your muscle tissue right you know was that is that a hereditary issue or it was a genetic genetic thing. yeah okay. yeah it's called alpha one antitrypsin deficiency oh wow so alpha one antitrypsin is a protein your body it's it's in your blood that your body makes and uh it um cl- it takes removes toxins from your liver cells and your lung cells and so i didn't have that and so my liver cells just kept building up, building up, building up with toxins until it just died. And I was going to the doctor every six months and getting blood work, and my enzymes were fine and everything. And then one time my my uh, blood platelet count was super low, and that's what had him do a CT scan. And that's when they said, well, your liver's dead. <laughs> and it was about three months after that that I started getting serious symptoms. Right. And, and how long did you go through that before you About got- two years. Okay, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. 
And uh, I remember that time. I remember I heard about it. I was like, whoa. And uh, Tina Mattis hit me up and was like, would you like to do a benefit? And without hesitation, I was like, absolutely. Let's do this. We did it. And it was uh, at the Blue Lamp. It was sold out. It was raging. It was awesome. We got a little bit of money. And then. Did Dana go to that or? Yes. Yeah. Did she? I can't remember. I think she did. I can't remember. I remember. I was just too, I was just too sick to do anything. Oh, absolutely. Then. Yeah. We didn't expect to at all. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Craig hit me up, Craig LeCicero and Mark Hernandez hit me up and asked me if we want to do the Killing on Command thing. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, at first I was, I just got done doing a benefit. So I was like, man, I don't mm-hmm. really want to do this. It's all the way out in the Bay Area. And I was like, you know what? For Sean, let's do this. Thank you. And it was, yeah, it was something that was something that was life-changing for myself as well just being the whole part of the whole community just getting together so that was thrash of the titans yeah part same thing (laughs) you know part two right and and, you know for me going up there because chuck was on stage when we played thrash of the titans he was behind the you know he was there behind the drum riser and then uh you know then there i was on the side of the stage ill as fuck and he's up there you know returning the favor I remember, I remember seeing you like backstage or wherever that little like mm-hmm. bar area was, and I had to, I had to give you shit about being a Raider fan for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Go Niners! <laughs> I just was like, you know what? Whatever happens to Sean, I want him to know this. Uh. <laughs> I mean, Craig came and hazed you for a little bit. It was great. But yeah, it was a great. That was a great uh, dude. I, I was shocked. I didn't have any expectations. I, I didn't want to know who was going to be there. You know, I knew Ted and Will would be there because they were text, sending me texts occasionally. Mm-hmm. I knew Tom was there because Will, I think Ted sent me a text with a picture backstage and Tom was eating pasta or something. I don't know. But, you know, Tom hunting. And then, sure. uh, yeah, so I showed up and I was, like, shocked. It was crazy. Yeah. It was wild. I, it was way bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. But, you know, my whole illness thing is just like... Uh, yeah, you know, I was pretty close to dying, so, and I was going to work every day right up to my surgery because you know I had I was the only one making money for my family, and if I I have to have my insurance, that's <laughs> just be active. So, I worked right up to that Friday, and then that Monday I had my transplant. I remember the after the last song when you guys when all five of you were on the stage, that was a pretty emotional thing for like the whole venue. Mm-hmm. Even everybody was just tripping, and I remember sitting back on. Man, if these guys get back together, it's going to be so sick. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you guys did. And uh, how was that dis- talked about? Uh, well, um, you know, I went, I, I, so my surgery was March 26th, 2018. And it took me about six months to recover. And then I got to the point where I was like, I got to go back to work because I can't sit on this fucking couch anymore. You know, so I was walking the dog and getting out and, you know, um, and at the time, because uh, of all my surgeries, you know, your lungs, it's hard to clear out your lungs when your incision's like right here. And uh, so I had a lot of buildup in my lungs. I was having a hard time breathing. You know, so when I would go on walks, I would like run out of breath just walking the dog, you know. And so then it took me a while. Once I got back to work and uh, I was mobile a lot and, you know, started moving around. So that was about October, right around the time he left machine head and I wasn't really thinking anything of it then other than oh so he, he finally left you know Phil Demo yeah yeah because Phil and I talked before that you know we're we've been friends for a long since you know the beginning so 
Um, and, 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 you know, when we were talking, I'd always ask him about, so how's, how's it going with the band? Are you guys touring? What are you writing? What are you up to? And da, da, da. And I could sense the demeanor changed a little, you know? And I just would say to him, well, you know, you have time. You can go golfing when you want, and you could do things that you want when you want, and, you, you know, make sure you appreciate that too, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, we didn't talk about how he felt about the band or anything, but I could sense, you know? So I never really kind of needled him because I don't, it's his business, not, it wasn't mine. But then, you know, he left the band. Then he went and did the shows with Slayer, which I was kind of like, fuck yeah, dude. That <laughs> you was know? badass. He sent me a text and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You yeah, know, that was, was like, sick. fucking awesome. So then, uh, shit, I started feeling better and better, you know, through Christmas. And uh, it was late January when I sent him a text saying, hey, you know, we should play a show. And he was like, what do you mean, like, go to a movie? And I was like, no, man, like, play. And uh, and he texted me back in all caps, violence. And I was like, yeah. So then, uh, you know, we talked about a date. And, well, when I got home from work, I, we talked on the phone after that text. And then uh, uh, we talked about a date. And I was like, yeah, well, if we do it in April, then that's four more months for me to heal. You know, because my incision was still healing. Even at the show, I, my incision, I could feel it wasn't healed all the way. It's on the inside, you know, not on the surface, but sure. Um, and then, uh, so we talked, and then we met at Phil Perry's house, and we practiced there in his front room, you know, because we didn't have a studio and we didn't have money to rent a studio. So, um, yeah, we did that, and uh, it, it it was kind of trippy getting back at it, you know. It was real trippy, especially that we did Eternal Nightmare was the first song we played, and when we rehearsed and. You know, we finished, and we knew we made mistakes, but we all kind of looked at each other like, damn. <laughs> My buddy Eddie uh, Kohler, uh -huh. roadie for you guys, he uh, sent me a live video of you guys rehearsing and showed it to me, and I was like, like goosebumps. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was so awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I was mean, a, you know. when you're prepping for the first show at the uh, Metro. Yeah. I, I I ran into Phil that at that NAM that January was my first NAM sure. I'd ever been to. I, I was I'm not a real big gear guy, mm -hmm. but I just got invited. And uh, I went, and I just uh, I was with hanging out with Dave from Havoc, and we we just got done watching Body Count. He oh, goes, cool. "Hey, dude, Phil wants to see you, man." And so I'm like, "What, Phil Demel? Cool, let's go say hi." And we're at a hotel, and Phil comes running up to me, "Jeff, what's up, Psychosomatic? Hey, do you guys want to play a show with us?" I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And I was like, "Well, which day?" Because I knew you guys were playing two days. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I got to check with my work. He goes, are you really going to ask me which fucking day? I'm like, no, all right, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally filled. Just like, are you kidding me? Goes, I'll text you. And I was like, man, he's probably just drunk. He ain't going to text me. Whatever. And then sure enough, next week, here comes yeah. the text. I was like, well, because we were talking yeah. about who's going to play, who are we going right. to get to play? And, you know, it was you guys in Hatriot. You know, we wanted to put you guys on the bill. Um because I figured you'd be a good support act, and then for sure, uh, I I don't know the, how the Saturday band opener got on there. Or somebody got them on there, but um, they did a good job. And then I I found uh, Mastiff, and I wanted them on the bill. And I don't know if anyone had ever seen Mastiff before, and yeah, they have know. a record out, and they're from Oakland. Sick. And yeah, so I was just like, I kind of like they're kind of the a body count kind of a thing. They're like hardcore, right? Yeah, they're hardcore, yeah. but like that kind of. Rappy hard, not not rappy hardcore, but you know that for sure. That East Oakland kind of gotcha. You know, and so uh, you should check out their records. Really, 
they got some good shit on there. They're really fucking cool. So I was just like, well, here's a young band that has never had a shot, and they've played the, the Metro before. Because I was looking at on YouTube for videos of them, and right. and so that's kind of how we went about, you know, deciding on who was going to open the show. Because we we want to give them a, a, a shot, you know, somebody a chance to get in front of a crowd that they haven't been in front of before, and a much larger crowd than they're used to. Well, for us being on that, I was like, dude, we were supposed to play with you guys in '90, and here it is, 28 years later, and we finally get to play. With you guys. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah. I was so I, that was like a bucket list thing, like uh-huh. for me, you know, like oh my god, check, and it yeah. was pretty sick, and and that thing was unreal. I mean, both days were just violent. Yeah, it was as violent killer. as you can get. And so you guys have now you guys have been playing all over the place now. Yeah, Everywhere. well, not recently, but <laughs> well, obviously so nobody's bullshit. doing anything lately. But yeah, so we uh, we 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 were rehearsing for those two shows, and then we had it offer. You know, came in from the Alcatraz Festival to fill. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, fucking Belgium on a festival? And where are we going to be? Oh, we're going to be supporting Opeth on the Swamp stage, you know, the sides, the, not the main stage, but the other stage. And it's just like supporting. Like, we're not even just on the bill. We're supporting Opeth. So we played, and then on the big stage, Saxon played, and then it came back to the Swamp stage, and Opeth played. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it was just kind of like, and uh, Sodom played before we did on that stage. Fuck. Yeah. So you guys just got the red carpet. Yeah, well, we'd up. never been there to Europe. That was the so first time sick. ever. So it was like, you know, we did our uh, meet and greet, and dude, the fucking line of people was huge. They, we actually, you know, ran out of time. Oh, wow. Because it, it was That's like, crazy. they have so many bands, right? So they're scheduling these these meet and greets so our time ran out and there was still a huge line of people so then we walked out into the crowd like away from where the meet and greet area was because we didn't want to interfere with the other band <laughs> so we went over to another area and we signed everybody's shit and took pictures with everybody that was uh, wanting to see us and yeah with the, and so the tent held about 5000 people and if you look at the pictures from James took James Willard took some shots from on stage, you could see the crowd is like outside the fucking tent. It's maybe seven or eight thousand people right. that were over there to see us. You know, very cool. And the pit was killer, and people were just crowd surfing like crazy. And so did it, they they went off for you in Europe just like they do here. Mm-hmm. I hear that just doesn't happen in Europe. They're just kind of more like laid back, like. Yeah, no, uh, no, we had a good pit going. And, you know, and then cool. it's like that barrier. So then, shit, it was like Eternal Nightmare. We opened with Eternal because we played the whole Eternal Nightmare album straight through, just like we did Saturday night at the Metro. Um, so we we went through the verses and then the little bridge section, and then I was like, "Fuck this!" I got off the stage and got up onto the barrier, and was standing right there singing the, that last uh, little end verse of Eternal Nightmare. On the barrier. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So sick. You seen pictures of that or no, I'm definitely gonna look at it, look it up and check it out. So this is the question everybody wants to know. Are you guys gonna record? Yeah. We have two songs written now. Sick. Um and you know, they both just need little tweaks and pieces assembled to them, but the song, the body of the songs are done. I got all the lyrics done. What are they like in the vein of like Eternal Nightmare, Pressing the Masses? Uh, it's something new. It's hard and it's fast and it's you know, a lot of words. 
<laughs> Always. Spitting words, big time. And then, uh, you know, the lyrics are sick. Fuck There's it. no reason to hold back, right? So. Right. And so the lyrics, you know, I really have been focusing heavily on the lyrics. So kind of unlike Eternal Nightmare, where uh, it's, it's like kind of descriptive, you know, serial killer. I tasted the thrill of kill, the thrill of my victims of crushing, destroying the will. It's more uh, uh, trying to paint a picture of. So when you read these lyrics, and if you memorize the lyrics and you listen to the songs that are, we're writing right now, you'll be able, you'll be, my goal is to get you, your mind in this place and then just let, you know, let it go from there. Right. And it's funny because, uh, you know, people go, well, what's that song about? It's just like, well, yeah, if you're asking that question, you haven't read the lyrics. So, um, but when you read the lyrics, it's, I've left the, I've left enough there for your imagination to, to put the pieces together for yourself, you know, like a book. Yeah, because once I'm done and I finish and we record it and I give it to you, it's yours. It's right. So it's whatever you – there might be a subject matter, right, That that's, you know, primary subject matter to the song. But there's a lot of lyrics, word salad in there to make you kind of have this vision in your head, you know, to, to kind of picture it in your mind, to paint pictures, you know, for you. So you're going to release that as an EP, or you guys mm -hmm. like... It's five songs. Oh, five songs. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it going to be vinyl or anything like that, or just... Yeah, I think Metal Blade, they want a, they want physical product, too. Fuck yeah. Especially in Europe. In Europe, they like to have vinyl, and, you know, they like to hold stuff in their hands. Absolutely. You know, and we went with Metal Blade, because uh, we were talking nuclear blast, they wanted us to, but... Um, when Phil and I talked, I was just kind of like, I really don't care about the money or anything like that. I just want to be with someone that we, uh, that are just like us, you know. And so Brian Schlegel, you know, he's kind of that guy. And the rest of the staff there, the, 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 you know, the men and women that work there, I mean, shit, they put out, you know, the very first thrash recording of, of fucking Metallica. That's right. You know. And Slayer. And Slayer and all those bands. <laughs> right. You know, and then... You know, Show No Mercy was really my first experience with Thrash. I mean, Kill Em All was a great album, and I was into that, and it was cool. And, you know, Cliff and I went to school, to high school together, so it's like I had a personal connection with them. But Slayer's Show No Mercy, that was Thrash Metal to me. I was just like, fuck. That was the best. <laughs> and then sure. that was my first Thrash show, was them at the Keystone. Awesome. Yeah. That was in Palo Alto, right? No, Keystone Berkeley. Oh, okay. That's yeah. They played there, and it might have been... Three months later, it was closed. You know, the okay. Keystone Berkeley was. Yeah. But um, so we went with Metal Blade because they, they're, you know, we've, they're good people. They think like we do. They didn't even ask to hear anything. They just said, yeah, here's the contract. You know, Brian was at the Psycho Fest, so he and Phil talked a little bit there. Um, but, yeah, it's a perfect fit for us. It's amazing and well-deserved. And like I said, for we sure. don't need a whole bunch of money. We just need enough to get the thing recorded. You know, we're not trying to say, oh, yeah, give us this $100,000 contract where we can, you know, then record for 30 and keep, you know, 70 for ourselves. It's not like that. You know, right. we're just like, just give us what we need to record. You know, right. we don't want to be in debt to anybody. Right. You know, other than what we need to, you know, to get this out. That's super cool. <laughs> Cannot wait. Metal right, Massacre, well, right? That what's was, that? that? Metal Massacre, that was the compilation that had. Metal Massacre 4. No, the first one. Was it the first one? Yeah. Okay. 
I can't remember which. There were so many of them, and that each had, one of them had that like, had Metallica. Yeah, I, I forget if it was it. Uh, hit the lights. Hit the lights. That's right. Awesome, man. Those are great days. Yeah, I remember getting that metal mask, or I had a bunch of them. They're all cassettes. Uh huh. And I had each one of them, and I, I can't remember. There were certain bands that I liked on each one of them, and some of them I just wasn't into at all. I was like, eh, trouble, man, eh, whatever. Yeah. I like trouble now, mm-hmm. but back then I only wanted to hear anything that was fast. Yeah. You know, I wasn't mature enough to listen to anything that was sounded like Black Sabbath. Yeah, okay, great. But yeah. if you sound like a ripoff to Black Sabbath, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Nowadays, I'm like, okay, I can appreciate their body of work, but back sure. then, if it wasn't fast, I didn't care. Yeah, like I was into Celtic Frost and slayer and suicidal and yeah. you know all the bands uh you know all the bands that you'd see at ruthie's slayer and megadeth and fucking metallica what, suicidal what punk bands were you into uh gbh i like i like fear a lot and exploited i like the exploited what about the mentors the mentors we actually would put on the bill a lot we always had you know if we, if we could put it like if we played the stone uh and if we would put the mentors on the bill like every maybe other show. I thought know. the Dicks of Death should have been a mentor song. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> kind of inspired by them, but no one writes rape rock like fucking El Duce. <laughs> That's what he calls it. Yeah. Rape rock. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And then like he was under fire after he's already passed away. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, give me a break. But yeah, we would have them on the bill all the time. But um, yeah, so... And, you know, Sex Pistols, and and I was, I dug, you know, I dug Cro-Mags, and, you know, I, I dig the hardcore stuff, sick of it all. The East Coast had a really cool hardcore scene towards mm-hmm. the end of the 80s. Yeah. That, it was like crossover, like Crumb Suckers, mm-hmm. Leeway, all that stuff, that shit was, all that shit hit at the same time as you guys were hitting, like, it yeah. was, it was, you had hardcore and thrash, and it was one unified scene, mm-hmm. you know, you'd see everybody at the shows, I mean, Talk about, like, scene support. I mean, there were so many people that were going to the same. You, you had punk rockers with mohawks. You had skins. You had yeah. thrashers. You had <clears throat> everybody was at. And there wasn't even really a fight. If you wanted to fight, just go in the pit. I mean, and then we you know? we opened for fucking GBH back in the day. Right. Right? And I was just like, oh, my God. We're fucking back with GBH. Are you fucking kidding me? I was like, a, like oh, hey, yeah. You're right. like a fanboy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you want to say to our audience? Uh, just, you know, keep an eye out. We're working hard on our new album. Um, we do have uh, something booked in, 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 in San Diego in June, but it hasn't been confirmed because of all this bullshit that's going on. We've had to cancel five shows already. But you did move. We were able to reschedule some shows, but right. like the festivals, we were on the um, Oblivion Access, so they just canceled and they're moving it to next june of next year you guys got the metro secured right and yeah for august 15th fuck yeah because i got my tickets because when i saw it coming it was just when we because we were talking about it and then it was just like well look here's the situation we have people coming from all over the world to see us because it's 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 not just violence the band it's like an experience that people want to come into the bay area and really experience a thrash scene well, I mean, where else would you go? <laughs> right. It's right? Like, it's literally like a historical event. Yeah. And time. so in the Metro, that's why we play the Metro, because the Metro is just like, you know. Uh, There's no barrier. It's perfect for us, because it's just this thousand capacity place that's a shithole. Not a shithole, but it's not 
all pristine and perfect, like right. Ace of Spades has a big gotcha. sound system and everything, a and massive maze of security, and you know the three bars and all that. I mean, the Metro is the Metro, and it's just like it's perfect for us. Yeah, and that's gnarly. why we play there. But so when we started talking about it, it was just like, well, you know, people have fucking airfare booked and hotels and. Uh, uh, the guy that makes our shirts, Tim, the hotel he had reserved actually canceled him. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. That Why? Hotel Z, I think, on the corner, he, was, he had a room there, and they sent him an email saying, your reservation's been canceled and your refund is on its way. So it's like, well, let's... let's. Then I talked to Tom there at the Metro and said, well, what do you got, you know, out in August or something? So he had August 15th, so then it's like, okay. So we just... I said, hold that date for us. And let's see what pans out here in the next couple of weeks. And then when they got more crazy, then it was just like, okay, well, let's postpone till then. So hopefully this thing will be lifted soon. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, we have the EP. We'll, we're working hard on that to get it out. We don't know when we'll be ready to release it or get into the studio. Um, but we'll be working with Juan and uh, it'll be heavy. Juan Ortega? Yeah. Sick. It'll be heavy and it'll be crazy and it'll be. Everything that you would expect, because we know that um, it's going to be highly anticipated, and we don't want to let anyone down, and including ourselves. You know, it's like Absolutely. we have no reason to hold anything back, because our label thinks like we do, and you know, the scene is there. The, all the bands are back: Exodus, Death Angel, Testament. You know, everyone's out there doing shit. You know, fuck yeah, Havoc. I mean. Yeah, there's just it goes the list goes on. Acid rain, <laughs> all these guys. <laughs> Acid rain. Yeah, that's sick. Well, hey, uh, thanks for coming out. We Thank really you, appreciate Jeff, it for having us. Absolutely, appreciate Absolutely. it, man. All right, man. We'll take care. Sean Killian from Violence. Right on. Fuck yeah, that was a great interview. Sean Killian from Violence. I'm fucking way stoked to have him here. So you know, we're, our videos are, or interviews are kind of. They're running a little long, but we figure since you guys aren't so busy, you can listen to them if you want to. You don't have to. It's all good. We appreciate it. We would like uh, you guys to understand that this thing is affecting everybody, this this lockdown, this virus or whatever. So some of our episodes might be a little delayed. We're not sure, but we're going to try to get this one out tomorrow. Um, stay safe. Do whatever you got to do to protect you and your family. Stay safe yourselves as well. And um, got anything to add, Mike? I, I agree. Like, stay safe. I'm, I'm just reiterate that. Stay safe. Just you know, a couple things is like be mindful of other people. Be mindful of the fact that emotions are going to be running high, and you got to keep your cool during that. Like emotions, a lot of people are really stressed out about this shit. A lot of people probably aren't taking it well. And keep your mind. Like, just keep that in the back of your mind. You know, you might run into a scenario where you get into some sort of altercation and it's not because you or them or anything it's just emotions are running high so try to keep even keel don't be a dick yeah that's the best <laughs> thing it's just don't be a dick all right well we appreciate you guys listening and um like share follow subscribe and all that good stuff thank you all very much for listening we'll see you next time on the jeff salgado show thank you bye-bye